Hello, my fellow sovereigns, and welcome back to another episode of the Crown Yourself podcast. I am so honored to be here with you today because we are answering one of your questions that I have received over many years. This question has come to me, and it was one that I struggled with, too, when I was first starting out in building in the empire building business. Um, it was one of like, how do you market yourself when you are multi-passionate? You know, you sing, you dance, you write books, you can you can do poetry, you can stand on your head. You're a mom. You are a business owner. How do you market that special secret sauce that is you? How do you showcase that as a brand? as a personal brand. I am so excited to bring to you Boyd Peterson, who is the founder of BP Media. He builds stronger, more profitable businesses. He is a business profit coach, an author, a public speaker, and a trainer. And here's the thing as to why I felt it was incredibly important to bring Boyd on. Because Boyd is also a successful children's book author and a sci-fi author. And in 2015, he finished his first business book, Beyond Hot Air Marketing, about setting up your own marketing plan and implementing it. So he's been in the paper business. He's been in marketing. He's been in computer engineering. He's been in uh, children's fiction. And yet, even though he has been multi-passionate and had many different pursuits and many different action items and things on his list from many different areas, he still is able to market himself as Boyd Peterson. And so I'm so honored and excited to bring to you this interview. So hopefully if you've been struggling with like, how do I market myself with all of these different skill sets, all of these different talents that I have so that people see who you are fully and completely in what it is that you do? Well, that's the question we're going to answer today in our episode with Boyd Peterson. Welcome to the Crown Yourself Podcast, where together we build your empire and transform your subconscious stories about what's possible for your business, body, and life. I'm your host, Kimberly Spencer, founder of crownyourself.com, and I'm a master mindset coach, best-selling author, TEDx speaker, known to my clients as a game changer. Each week, you get the conscious leadership strategies you need to help you reign with courage, clarity, and confidence so that you too can make the income and impact you deserve. Imagine this podcast as your royal invitation to step into your full potential and reign in your divine purpose. Your sovereignty starts here and your reign is now. I am so excited to be here with you today with a bee, a boy, who is Boyd Peterson, who is just, Boyd and I met on Lunch Club and one of the things that struck me about Boyd was not only the fact that he has a giant family, but also that he is an author, uh, has a social media agency. And so you do so much. And I know that many of my audience are multi-passionate entrepreneurs. How do you manage all the multi-passions? Well, the key to having multiple things is to understand how much time you're going to spend on each one. And so on my uh, book writing in that, I spend only about three hours a week, uh, you know, in one hour blocks. And I schedule that. But for my other things, it just depends on what uh, is going on and what I need to put in for each of those other projects. And book writing with your authorship, did that just come out of just a desire to just release something creatively or to do something different than social media? What, in, what led you to books? Well, so a few years ago, I, uh, I used to own a newspaper and, uh, and I didn't write for it. That, that was the editorial staff. Uh, but I uh, loved writing every once in a while columns about movies that I would review. And uh, occasionally I would do something else that was entertainment. But even before that, I had used to write articles about where technology was going. And uh, so back in the 90s, I worked for Washington Post and the uh, Dallas-Fort Worth newspaper and the Los Angeles Times, just writing that column. And uh, I really enjoyed doing that. But then uh, after I sold the newspapers, I uh, said, you know, I've written all these blogs about marketing. Why don't I put them all together, update them and make them a book? 
So I did. And then I, I really liked doing that. And then I, my, my kids started saying, well, dad, you, you tell, you made up all these stories over the years. Why don't you put those into uh, books? And so I started doing that. I, I would bring out a, a story every year that I would write for Christmas, for example. And it was all about people that were around at the time of when Christ was born. And so I, I would write, you know, so I wrote one about a shepherd boy who, uh, you know, his dad is the uh, shepherd that you hear about in the Bible, but he's the boy. And I, I wrote about a um, an orphan kid. I, I wrote about a, a merchant from uh, Egypt who came to see the Christ child. But the day before he gets there, the star disappears, you know, things like that. And so I had a lot of fun with that. Uh, and I made it a whole series within one book. And uh, that's where I got to be a best-selling author is from that book. Uh, didn't do it with my marketing book, but there's a lot of competition on marketing books. So, uh, but then I, I still write, I write both fiction and nonfiction. I have six uh, business books right now that are all dealing with marketing in some degree or another. And then on uh, the fiction side, I have two out there right now, but I've just been asked by Amazon to do something. They, they've just released a new program which is uh, basically a short read type. Uh, it's not books, but more, I guess, stories. And uh, you sell them for 99 cents to $1.99. And uh, a friend of mine is doing that. And he said, oh, my gosh, I'm making several thousand dollars a month because people want to download it while they're on the train to work or on the bus to work. And it, it's 20-minute read. And I'm going, hmm, that ought to be fun. And then Amazon asked me, said, hey, these other books that you're writing, they have the short stories that will be perfect for this. Why don't you do that? So that's, that's how I get into it. And I have all kinds of stories in the works for fiction. And I like to write about time travel is one of my favorite subjects. But uh, in fact, I'm, I'm one of mine is uh, based in Ireland, and it's about a a young man who finds a box that his family's known about for years, but has been missing and he finds it. And it actually allows him to travel to different times in Ireland. And as he gets to some of these places, he realizes that the people he learned about in the history books aren't matching up to the people that he's meeting. And he has to help them become the people that they will be. And so it's kind of a, instead of a, the butterfly effect is the opposite. He has to encourage the change. So, and I have a lot of people who follow me uh, that want to know more about that. That sounds fun. That's, you know, so. I mean, it's, it seems to me like, and this is one of the things that I wanted you to really come on to is you follow the fun. And yeah. has that been a theme throughout your life that has also resulted in making money from the fun? Oh, yes. Yes. And it is a lot of fun to write these stories. It's a lot of fun to do a lot of the things that I've done. Uh, I love working for social with social media. People say, oh, that's so hard. It's always changing. And I'm going, that's OK. I like change. I like learning. But then I also like having fun with it. And uh, so that's kind of what I, I like to do. And, and yes, you can make money from having fun. And you teach authors, especially like about how to get followers to build the book audience for the book before they release the book. How can we make that fun? Because I know that there are many authors listening to this and or aspiring authors who have a book in the background of their life that like what's the runway supposed to be for the lead up? How long do you need to build the followers before you you launch the book? Give us a little bit of that secret sauce, Boyd. Oh, I'd be glad to. In fact, just a couple of weeks ago, I taught at a uh, convention or a summit, I guess they called it. Uh, it was called the Aspiring Author uh, Summit. And the thing they had me teaching about is how do you use social media to build your audience before you have a book? Or how do you keep an audience between books? And so I, I gave a lot of examples of uh like uh, Stephen King used to, he doesn't anymore. And there's a reason for that. But Stephen King used to, when he would be researching a book, 
he would go and he'd find all these things and he'd put it on social media and say, guess what I found? Guess what I found? Guess what I found? There was all these cool facts and figures that he, he came up with. Well, Dan Brown, on the other hand, never releases anything that's going to be in his book. But there are all kinds of fun things he finds that aren't going to be in his book because uh, he never wants anybody to even have a clue as to what his book will be about that he's working on. Uh, and that's great. But both of those draw people to it. Now, in the case of people who don't have people following them, I'm going to give you a good example of somebody who did it right. And there's a, a writer named Andy Weir. You may have seen the movie The Martian a few years ago. Well, he wrote the book, The Martian, and he started off by just having a few of his friends and family following him on Facebook. Well, then he would uh, put a piece of what he was writing about on it. And he'd say, what do you guys think? And they'd come back and they say, oh, yeah, this works. Well, how about adding this? Or, you know, maybe you could do this with it. Well, within a year, he had worked up to about 10,000 people following him. Okay. Because everybody was telling about him, but he was only like, maybe 20% through the book, writing the book. Well, three years into this type of a program, it took him a long time. He gets called from NASA and they said, we'd like to meet with you. And they send him a first class ticket to go to the, um, down to Florida at uh, Space Canaveral um, at, or Port Canaveral, I guess they call it. And they wanted to give him an inside view of the things he was talking about. So it helped his book become better. And so now that takes a long time to do what he did. But he wrote his entire book, putting it piece at a time on there and getting people's opinion about it. But it built a following so that when a book publisher came along and said, we want to buy this book. We want your, uh, you know, we want to pay you a lot of money because you've got a lot of followers. And when he released the book or when the uh, publisher released the book, it had an instant top of the list, New York best-selling author because he had over a million people following him. And that's what it takes sometimes. Now, how do you get that yourself, you know, for the normal person? It's a matter of just simply releasing a little bit of information, getting your friends to tell other friends about it, and getting people excited about what you're writing about. And once you start getting that, the momentum starts picking up. For a brand new uh, writer, there was actually 15 different things that I told at the uh, conference, and I don't have my notes in front of me, but 15 different things you can do to get people excited about your book. One of them is really simple. Just tell people what's going to, you know, what your day is like or what, uh, you know, how much are you writing about, you know, and tell them a little bit about it. Uh, there's all kinds of things you can do with it, uh, with uh, getting people excited, asking them questions. Now, when I write books, and especially the one that I was a best-selling author with, I had people uh, that I had five covers for my book and I didn't know which one to choose. So I put two covers at a time up on my social media and said, which do you like a or B? And then when they'd say a, then uh, I'd say, well, why do you, do you like a over B? And I get a discussion going and what is social media, but getting people to engage. Well, pretty soon, I, and uh, I had quite a few people following that. And then I bring up the next two covers and ask them. And again, I ask questions back and forth. Then I bring up the fifth cover and put it with the first one that won. And pretty soon I got a whole lot of people. And so when I released my book, I suddenly had hundreds and hundreds of people who wanted to buy the book because they helped me choose the cover. And that was, a, uh, you know, that's a great way of getting people excited about it. So, so it sounds like, you know, giving people the option of buy-in into the product. I think something that I'm hearing a through line is the idea that people really want to contribute. Like Tony Robbins talks that that is one of our six human needs is contribution. And people actually want to feel like they are contributing to someone else's success because in a way that's helping them feel successful. 
It really is. That's a big thing that I found. And, uh, you know, like I had one person tell me, well, why do, what about uh, sharing what you're going to put on the back cover? Now, sometimes on the back cover, you just have the what it's about. Other times you put all of the reviews that you, you're getting. Well, you got to start somewhere. So let's talk about what are you going to put on the back cover with that before any reviews? And let people help you hone it. And, and let them help you uh, identify areas where maybe you're missing something. Now, I've done that with a couple of my friends who are other writers, and we help each other that way. But we started doing it so that uh, we would share it with each other's air, uh, on their posts, and they, their people would help me get mine going and or better. And it always works because it does. It's people getting involved. They feel like they're part of that story. And that's a, that's a cool thing to do. Yeah. And I think that with marketing and social media, I see as a coach with working with business leaders, that there is a lot of beliefs around marketing being hard, especially with the Gen X generation of like, oh, social media is so hard. It's so complex. How can how do you like to simplify those beliefs for the older generations <laughs> to just say like, hey, it's not as hard as you think? Well, and that's, that is one of the big things that I help people uh, figure out. There's a lot of people who say, oh, you know, social media is hard to do. It takes too much time. It takes too much money. It's, uh, it, there's no ROI on it. Well, I have figured out ways to help people figure, uh, do all of next week's posts in an hour this week. Okay, so can you afford an hour to do all of next week's posts, five posts next week? And most people say, yeah, I can do an hour. Well, and that's what I do is I teach them how to do that. And here's how you have to schedule what you're going to be doing. Now, a lot of people say, well, gee, I, I've written 15 posts. What do I now write about next? Well, there are 36 different types of posts that you can use for social media. And, you know, yes, some of them are, you know, cat videos or other things that, you know, are kind of fluff. But there are things that you can do that are really strong without it always being one of two things. People, uh, especially business owners, try to either be educational all the time or they're selling all the time. And I'm going to tell you, nobody likes to be sold all the time. And so it really bogs your uh, social media down and you'll lose people when you do that. They just won't pay attention anymore. If it's always educational, they might find it educational, but they're going to put it on the back burner after a while and say, oh, I'll get back to it. The key is having a variety of posts. And that's why when you look at 36 posts, no, don't use all 36, but maybe you choose six or eight or even five. Uh, and then one a day, you do one. And so that might be educational. I, I teach a program called Recipe for Social Media Success. It's a free program for anybody to watch. And with the recipe for social media success, it talks, uh, we use the word recipe and we do R is for recreational. E is for educational. Uh, REC, <laughs> couldn't remember my alphabet anymore. Uh, C is conversational. Here you're starting to get a conversation. Ask them questions. Ask them, do you like this or that? I, that's what I do with my books. But it can also be about uh individual things when you talk about i that's inspirational now a lot of people they say oh well i can get quotes from somebody and they say there are three types of quotes you should be using one is just a generic one one is about your industry and the third one should be from you and if you're a book publisher ooh, put in some quotes from your book whether it's past books or current or one you're writing right now people love that they love to be able to quote an author, okay? Okay, well, that's uh, R-E-C-I. Then the P is promotional. That's when you can promote yourself, but it doesn't always have to be selling. It can be, hey, I've got this seminar we're going to be having. Would you like to come and learn more? Well, you know, it might be, uh, all, there's all kinds of promotional things you can do. Um, and then the last one is entrepreneurial. It's telling about yourself, about the company, What's your vision statement? What's your mission statement? And for the book, 
it's really important. What caused you to want to write it? Okay, and that's a, a really big one to use. Now, once you get a few of them going and you you schedule them, it's really, really easy. You just sit down and say, oh, today is going to be, oh, let's see, we want to do a conversational one on Tuesday. Oh, we're going to do uh, a uh, inspirational one on Monday. Uh, and once you've got it all calendar out, it's easy to sit down and say, oh, I just need to do this. Oh, I need to do that. And in an hour, you're done. I think that that's such a poignant point about all the different types of, and I love that you use the acronym recipe because my husband's a chef. And so, <laughs> and I think I, I know he'll find this episode incredibly valuable, but I think the, the quotes is a huge piece, especially in the coaching space. I see so many coaches just posting quotes from other people and instead of their own quotes, I mean, you have something yeah. to contribute to the conversation. Why are your not? Why are your quotes not as relevant, or you're promoting them as much as you would promote a quote from like Mahatma Gandhi or Martin Luther King? Yes, you haven't reached that status perhaps yet, but who's to say you won't? And so, allowing yourself to put it to to get your your mindset into the space of, of putting yourself in the level of being worthy of being quoted. Yes. A few years ago, I, I came up with a quote and it's a uh, you know, word of mouth marketing is the most important type of marketing, but if you can get them to give you it as a review, now word of mouth marketing, you can make it go viral, which is word of mouth advertising on steroids. Well, I'm now hearing from different uh, people on their stage. You know, I, somebody told me the other day that uh, there was a, a Brian Tracy mentioned that and he gave me credit for it on stage. Well, I wasn't in the audience, but somebody else was. And they said, hey, you just got mentioned on stage by Tony Robbins. Oh, that's cool. So it's kind of fun. But if you don't put any of those out there, you'll never have any opportunity to be put out you know, for people to use your quotes. Yeah. And I just heard an epic. I love the quote about being able to put your advertising on on steroids just from marketing reviews. And I just heard one that I'm sure you're familiar with from Jay Abraham on if you cannot market what you do better than you do what you do, you will not be doing what you do for very long. That is so true. So how do you work with people who are very, very skilled creators, authors, publishers, but they're not skilled marketers, or at least they don't think that they are. Well, you know, the, the best thing is to get a little bit of training, uh, you know, it's like going to this uh, aspiring authors summit is a great one because for uh, those that are thinking of being authors, we had 35 people in the audience and a, a bunch more that were online. Okay. So it's all about doing these things and learning the things that you're, you're not maybe as competent at, at first. Yes. Yes. 1000% being able to learn those pieces because the following is a huge piece of the puzzle. Now I know that there are a lot of shortcuts in a way or perceived shortcuts, especially when it comes to social media, where people think that the following is 100% reliant upon the number of followers. Is that the case? Have you seen that to be the case? Or does it matter also the quality of followers? I, I tell people they need to find the quality of followers. And I'll t give you a good example of that. I have a, a an author that I work with uh, he's also a public speaker. And he said, I got to get to 10,000 followers on Instagram. I've got 30,000 over on Facebook, but I need to get to 10,000 on Instagram very quickly. And I said, well, do you want quality or do you want quantity? And he says, well, I want quality people, but I need 10,000. Well, we worked him up. So he was up to about 3,000 in a, a two month period. And he just says, I want more. I want it faster. Well, I said, well, if you buy the numbers you're looking for, it's not going to help you. Now, here's what we had. We had that he, when he posted something, about 15 to 20% of all of those online were looking at it, consuming it, mm -hmm. and uh, interacting with it. 
Well, he decided, finally decided, no, I've got to buy some then. So he went to a company that sells, you know, got him a whole bunch of them. In fact, he's up to 20,000 now. But his, uh, the people seeing it are down at 1%. So he has quantity, but not quality. And he's not getting any more people who are buying his books or wanting to attend his seminars or anything like that. And he, he's calling me saying, oh, I've got the numbers. What's going on? And I said, well, where are your numbers from? And as I get in there and look, well, gee, you've got a whole lot of people from, oh, the Philippines, from India, from Vietnam. Do they even speak your language? Yeah. Yeah. Or, I mean, I, I just deleted about 2000 followers off of my uh, Instagram very transparently because I was just wondering as to why my engagement has been lower on Instagram for um, for years, like considering that I had about 7500 followers and it was working with a social media coach and she said, go in and look at your, your followers. And so I've been spending a few more hours on the elliptical recently doing the 75 hard challenge. And thus I'm on the elliptical and I'm exhausted. So I was just started scrolling while, while moving my body. And I realized I had about 2000 followers that were completely bogus accounts. Yeah, that came out of nowhere when I was working years ago with a publicist back in my e-commerce days and that sprung out of nowhere. And I was I, I decided I was just like, I don't want these fake followers that are hurting my um, engagement. Yeah, it looks like on the front end that they have, you know, I ooh 7500, but I'd much rather have 5000 engage followers, people who are able to see and be served by my content, then have like the fancy numbers. Cause I've also seen, I've worked with some influencers who have the 20, 50, 500 K followings. And so often followership does not mean money in the bank. <laughs> I that's think that's a, that's a big differentiation to make because I like, and I have seen, um, I'm a part of a group for six and seven figure business women and most of them have followings of less than like a thousand people, but they are focused on the quality of the following, the quality of ma making sure that that following is also turning into prospects and clients. Yes. And that's exactly it. You know, there's um, a gentleman that I uh, follow. I'm trying to remember which one it was, but I, th I think it was Evan Pagan said that it's better to have 500 quality people who follow you that'll spend money with you or spend money on you than 10,000 that you don't have even 1% doing so. And that's the key is you've got to have a good loyal following. And if you're building it uh, the right way, it will be a, a good, strong group of people that will follow you. Uh, and that's what you want. Yeah. To me, that says, I think that the followership is is such an interesting concept because for me that is more of a community that you're building rather than oh it's because every time somebody's like oh you know I only have 400 followers I'm like have you ever been in a room with 400 people that's a big room well and especially if they're all there to see you exactly if and if you know that they're there to see you and that they want to see you and that they're engaging with you and they want to be a part of that community it is a very different game than having you know tens and or hundreds of thousands of followers who may like a post from time to time but they are not actually your raving fans no and i love i love Eb eben pagan by the way <laughs> yeah he's great so that's the key uh, with a lot of things is find the the tribe i call them uh, you know, the, the ones that are really want to be part of your community. And once you find them and, and you engage with them, uh, it doesn't matter how many you have. Well, okay, if you only have five or 10, that's a little bit too low. But, you know, they're going to tell other people and they're going to attract other people to you that are going to become part of the tribe as well and will communicate with you. And that's what you want. That's that's the or, the right way to organically build your following. Yeah. 
what would be the some of the best strategies video quotes like it, you gave us the recipe for social media success but i think one of the things that many of my audience are thinking at this moment is like do i have to write it do i film it like what is the best medium that you found well okay so there's a, a couple of key things that we have discovered ourselves a lot of people say oh you got to have video all the time don't believe that here's why we you know that one person i was just telling you about that uh, bought a whole bunch of people when we were testing some of his things he had great engagement when he had 3000 people if he did three videos a week so he'd do a video on monday wednesday and friday but on tuesday and thursday he would do some static images and a story that went with it that people could read well we had high, the highest engagement with that when we went to five videos a week, he went from almost 20% of his followers uh, consuming it, watching the whole videos, down to less than nine. The reason why is it was too much for him. So we went back to three videos a week and two static images, and suddenly his viewership went up. Now, he always had more viewership on his videos and that's why he wanted to try five videos a day or a week. But when you do too many, people just simply say, I'll put it off and they don't get back to it. And don't do ones that are just text only. What, uh, you know, with Facebook, you know, that was how they first started. But when you add an image to something, add an image that goes along with whatever you're going to say. And one of the other things we found was put some words in the image. And I'll give you an example of this. I went to a concert one time and I took a picture of a band up on stage. And, you know, I got some great, you know, people following it, but it was like, you know, two or 3% of my followers on Instagram. Well, a few months later, I went back to that same image and I put an instant success comes with months of hard work. Well, I put that up there and suddenly that image and it went along with how this group had to grow and build, you know, do all the the background things they had to do to become known. And uh, so we talked a lot about that in this uh, post. Well, that one, I had 32 percent engagement from on the my social media. So Having an, an image with some text on it that draws you in is also a good thing. But don't just do video. Don't just do images. Do those, but do some of both. So allowing for that variety, I think one of the, the I mean, it seems to me like we, we've already hit on the, the desire, the human need of contribution, the human need for variety, but also the human need of certainty. And I think that that really plays into having a consistency with your social media strategy or your authorship strategy to be able to consistently build that certainty that no like and trust audience and a big piece of trust is having the certainty that you're going to be showing up producing content that serves in some way that's absolutely right and one of the other things though is be consistent i've got several clients that when they were doing it themselves and it's not that they were putting out bad content they were just putting out maybe once every couple weeks and they'd put up a you know a video or a, a picture of them doing something like i had a a um, company that does uh rain gutters well he does both the rain gutters and the rain gutter guards well he was getting about one lead a month from that well we but he was only putting up one or two pictures every month well we started doing five a week so one a day all five days of the weekdays and he now gets 10 to 15 leads a month and that's what he was looking for was that many and he it keeps him him and his crews busy but it, it was all about consistency and not always being about just showing what he's doing i mean we still do those because there's some fun ones that he's had like you get up in a a, a rain gutter and he's got a, a bird nest one on each end of it 
another time he, he found a baseball in it. There's all kinds of things. But the key was having something fun that people would, oh, that's funny. But also it was, we did some education. We did some other fun things. We had uh, some testimonial types things. So some internet reviews that we uh, put on there and they all drove traffic to his website and ultimately to them purchasing from him. I love that play of having the fun, the education, because too much fun, it makes it can appear not necessarily professional, though. I mean, professionalism is a is a perception, but have it like if if you have too much fun, it may det- it detract from you being an educational or inspirational brand. And then the testimonials and having that variety and the consistency of having that variety is a huge piece. Right. Um, I would love to just dive in for a hot moment on the mystery of hashtags. Oh, well, especially on Instagram, hashtags is one of the best ways to attract new people that are interested in what you're doing. Uh, you put a hashtag in that's uh, you get a hot hashtag that's targeting your audience, then you will get people to say, "Ooh, I want to follow you more. And they will. They'll follow you. Now, there are some great hashtags out there that you don't want to do. OK, now I'll give you some examples of some. So the before COVID, the number one hashtag that was being followed and promoted and people putting it on their posts was the hashtag love, L-O-V-E. OK, had over a million new people putting up uh, things every month. They had over 20 million people that were following it. The only thing was you'd put something uh, with that on it and you're gone before anybody could hardly see it because so many people were posting to it. Okay. But if you, and a lot of t- people would just put love up there and it didn't mean it. You, what their post was about had nothing to do with love. Or, you know, I love this coffee. Well, you know, maybe that's good or maybe not. <laughs> uh, so, but what, when you find the, the pieces that fit what your business is about and you find that there's followers of that, that's when you use those hashtags. So, for example, with my uh, social media business, social media marketing tips is one that a lot of people has it's attracted them to me and they follow me because they want to know those tips they want to know about my recipe for social media success another one uh that's uh, i've got a like well my client that does the the rain gutters now of course you could put rain gutters up there but you know he only works here in the salt lake valley because uh, we're here in the salt i'm in salt lake city So we've found that Utah Homes is a great one for him. So people that own a home or are looking in real estate for homes, they see him. And if they're going to be selling their homes, they're in that same category. We've drawn a lot of people to them by just putting it under Utah Homes. We also have rain gutters in uh, Utah. Now, there's not very many people who have that or who are following it, but we probably get one or two new followers from that every month. So it's finding all of the different hashtags that can draw people to your tribe. Who is it you're looking to get and how do you get them there? Hashtags is a great one to do that with. And uh, it's all about figuring out what those hashtags should look like. Agreed. I started using some location-based hashtags, even though I have an online business and it has been bringing in much more followers for location-based, even though I'm not even, uh, I've served clients all over the world, but being in Los Angeles in the US, which is one of the personal development spaces of the world. (laughs) So it, it does help to bring in people and followers into my area. So I love the combination of location-based hashtags, title-based hashtags with hashtags. Do 
is there a certain because you can see how often that they're used and like you said with the hashtag love it's used so often that by the time that you're lucky if you even get seen so is there a number or a metric that like under a million uses under you know a 500k should that also be included in the hashtag strategy to be able to have that full variety yes uh, is the short answer the the long answer is you want to find some that are in the uh, probably between 50,000 and 200,000. Those are really good unless they're generic for the whole world and you're trying to localize. Then you want to find even the smaller ones. Now, I've got some people like I've got a, a physical therapist that we have just uh, we have narrowed it down to just the locale here in the Salt Lake Valley. And some of ours that we are in only have 50 or 100 people following it. But funny enough, we're now uh, 10, 15% of those people are now following him and paying attention to him. So, you know, having a few numbers, it's all about quality, not quantity again. Uh, and so be sure, don't discount something that has only 500 or 5,000 followers or posts to it. Because sometimes those can be the best ones for you because they're exactly targeted to what you're trying to or who you're trying to attract to you. Uh, so don't be afraid to go with even the smallest of numbers. In fact, we've got one, one company that we started with uh, and they put a hashtag out there that they made their own and they, you know, they got five or six people following it. And I always do recommend people do your own hashtag. And like in my case, my hashtag is BP Media. The problem is, is there's three other companies that use BP Media, including British Petroleum. However, I have taken it over because I post so often and it says BP Media all the time. And so the uh, company that's out of uh, the two other countries and the one that's here in the United States, they don't even stand a chance because I dominate that uh, now. And that's good. And I now have a lot of people who go and follow that hashtag because I have dominated it. So having your own and going after small ones, don't worry about it, especially if you're a localized person. But if you're international, well, you know, like, my social media marketing tips has drawn to me people from Australia, from London, from Dublin, Ireland. I have people that come from all over the world because I'm in the those as well. And for me, that works great. And you can follow the hashtags on Instagram to see, to connect also with the other people in your niche in your area who are using that as well is that how effective and how often should we do that to connect with those some would say competitors i don't particularly like the word competitors but um, those other people who are using the hashtag as well you know in some of the cases we've done we actually look to go after those people so i have Personally, myself, of course, I run an agency that's digital agency. Now, I work with small people all the time. You know, small meaning new startups up to probably 10, 20 employees. Uh, now, I work with big companies as well. I have a multinational company I work with. But I attract a lot of the small ones. And because of that, a lot of the ad agencies here in the Utah area and even some other areas like I've got one out of Australia and one out of uh, Texas, that they refer people to me all the time. And they're quote unquote competitors, but they are they know that I have an expertise that they don't want to go after. And then I ha uh, they have expertise that I don't want to go after. So I refer people to them and it becomes a, a great way of building your business by having helping your competitors, so to speak, but they're not, they become your joint venture partners. Yes. Power partners and the ability to see people 
as your allies, not your enemies, right. <laughs> is so key because I think collaboration and the opportunity to work with someone who, like I know, and I, I think we all have to, as business owners, have to check our ego to think that everybody's going to be a perfect client for us. That's not the case. And I have referred and probably I would say 20 to 30% of people who come to see me to other coaches who I think would be a better fit for them just because if what they're wanting is not 100% of what I can deliver, I don't want to take their money and give them a bad experience. I would much rather pass them off to someone else where they go, oh, I got a gr I had a great experience and Thank you so much, Kim, for giving me that referral so that I I didn't work with you. So the ability to see other people as your allies is, is essential. It really is. And, and then the other side of it, too, is a lot of times the person that you're working with and giving uh, say, hey, you know, I can't really I'm not really the right coach for you. But here, let me get you to the right coach. They appreciate that and they will actually recommend you more times because they know that you'll find the right person for that person for that uh friend of theirs that needs your type of help yeah and i i wanted to touch on just the idea of because you you specialize with reputation marketing and as a multi-passionate entrepreneur how do you navigate the world of having multiple passions and marketing with one strategy? Well, it, it <laughs> so it really depends on what you're trying to do. You know, there's different ways of marketing, uh, but if you have multiple things that you're working on, you have to, sometimes you have to keep them separate, but other times put them together. So to give you an example, I have, uh, you know, I do books and I have a uh, Facebook page called Boyd Time. And so people go there. It's not uh, followed by too many people because I haven't really pushed it very hard. But I have people who are dedicated to that. And that's great. But I every once in a while talk about that on my BP Media page so that people know what I'm doing. And people like to know outside of BP Media, what am I doing? And when they hear that I'm a, a book publisher or a, a book writer and author, when they hear that I uh, do am speaking at an, an event, that's when they go, "Oh, really? I didn't know that." And pretty soon, that raises your or elevate. I guess I call it elevates what people believe of you as well, because you've become an expert in more than just the one area. So don't be afraid to share those kind of things with other people. Absolutely. I, I love the ability to trust. I think it also comes down to trusting that your audience is smart and can figure out that we all are humans and do multiple things and have different roles in our lives that we play. And that that carries over into the audience that you attract as well. That's right. Well, you know, and people find that it, it's very fun that a lot of my stories that I write about come from me telling stories to my kids or now my grandkids and like I'm writing a book right now and I'm telling my these each chapter I create as I'm telling my grandkids a bedtime story and they love to come over to grandpa's house to have a sleepover so they can hear the next chapter well you know it'll take a while before I write it all out but it allows me to do that and when I mention that on any of my uh, social media platforms, I get people go, that is so cool. Hey, and then they want to know more about not just that, but then they also, it raises their, oh, you've got grandkids, you've got this. It attracts people to you. One of the things I had, uh, I had a, a guy who I was doing some, he was a mortgage guy and we were not doing very well with him. And I couldn't, I couldn't get him to give me any personalized stuff. Well, I finally, he told me one day, he says, hey, uh, we're headed out of town. We're going down to Moab. We're going to go do some jeeping up in the mountains. And I don't know if you know what jeeping is, but, you know, you, you go rock climbing on jeeps. And you, yeah, it's crazy. You tip your jeeps to the point of where it's almost falling over. And so I said, oh, that's perfect. 
I want you to send me some pictures. So he did. I put them up the very next week. And guess what? People said, oh my gosh, I love that you're a Jeeper. I am too. Hey, can you give me a quote on my mortgage? Suddenly, his mortgage business started taking off because of his hobby. Don't be afraid to tell people that you do things. I have a, a, a mechanic who, during his off time, he likes to watch sports on TV and knits scarves. Well, that's awesome. <laughs> you know, that's amazing. And when somebody, uh, when we mentioned it in uh, one of our social media posts, the next day we had a guy come into his, uh, to this place where he was working and said, I want to talk to the knitting mechanic. Now, this guy is a huge, burly guy, probably bench presses 400 pounds. I don't know. And this guy comes out and he says, I want to shake your hands. And this guy is in a tweed suit and, you know, maybe five foot three. And, uh, you know, but he says, I knit hats and I have buddies that we all get together and do the same thing you do. And he brought them $20,000 of business that year. And he, in, he then also sent a whole lot of other people over to them, to this mechanic shop because of the knitting mechanic that the owner didn't want me to even mention that he was a knitting mechanic because he thought, oh, he'll look like a sissy. Hmm, no, turned out the other way around. That's amazing. First of all, that a mechanic is knitting because I never would have pictured that. And so that is such a, a wonderfully polarizing in a way perspective. And yet it draws in exactly who his ideal customer was. And the fact that the more that you show your humanity and your authenticity and your truth, it the more it attracts exactly the right people into your world versus vanilla marketing, which is so boring and bland. If you're not like it may re attract, it may repel, it may kind of be like, eh, I really prefer my vanilla with sprinkles <laughs> and they may go somewhere else. So. Boyd, I have just loved our conversation and you have brought so much truth and authenticity. And I love all of your examples from all of your clients and all your stories. Are you ready for a little rapid fire? Sure. Go ahead. Who is your favorite female character in a book or a movie and why? Oh, I have lots of really good uh, characters I like in both men and women. Female, though, I would probably say I like the person like Sigourney Weaver when she was playing in the alien movies you know she she was this astronaut that had to rise to the occasion to take out the alien that was mm -hmm. taking over all of her shipmates I love that you know I love any of these people that rise to the occasion and sometimes they're the the underdog until they get that opportunity to be the leader she is one of those that I, I have loved watching. And even when she plays the baddie, she's really good at that. You are speaking my language. I love the stories of the underestimated underdog who rises into her reign. Those were always the stories that I loved as children. Or as, well, as a, as a child, I wasn't multiple children. <laughs> Unless it's, you, it's all the kids in my head. Um, <laughs> Different what? ages, different ages. Different ages, okay. all the different ages. What woman would you want to trade places with to live in her head, to see how she thinks, to be in her life just for a day? You know, there has been some really great people, you know. Um, one that I thought was very, very astute to how things worked was Nancy Reagan. Nancy Reagan was somebody, uh, you know, I she helped so many people's careers become careers and no one really knows that i'll give you an idea of what happened barbara walters one time was got a the feather in a cap when she was just starting out to get to meet with nancy reagan now she wasn't first lady at that time because this was in the 1960s so she's there interviewing her well Nancy Reagan, after three questions, stops her and says, let me give you some advice. I just gave you an answer to your first question. 
and I left it open for a second follow-up question for you, and you didn't take it. You had your questions all written out already of what you wanted to do. I want to start this again. I want you to throw those questions away. We'll start with the first question, but let's see what I'm saying and ask the next question that goes along with my answer. Barbara Walters became one of the best interviewers of all time, in my opinion. And yeah, it she was, was fantastic. It was because of Nancy Reagan who helped her do that. Okay. She honed that skill. She owned it. So that is so cool. I I love not only the concept of us all helping each other rise and just give those little perspective shifts that can just change the trajectory of a career. Right. And Nancy did that with a lot of different uh, actresses, a lot of politicians, a lot of different people that were just needing the help. She was really good at being able to help people see what they couldn't see within themselves. And so that would be one person I would love to, you know, get to know a lot better even. If you were to have your success at twice the speed, what is the one thing you would do differently? You know, I always love the, uh, the line of fail fast and get on with the next opportunity. One of my quotes is that uh, success is on the same road as failure. You just get to failure before success. And, you know, that's kind of what I look at with that. You know, I, I, if I'm going to fail, I want to fail faster and move on to the next thing that will be a success or another one that fails fast so I can get to the right success one or learn how to pivot better. And I think pivoting comes from failure, typically, it does. It does. or from or from, you know, pandemics, failure or pandemics, one yeah. of the two. <laughs> yeah. Forced failure. <laughs> yep. Forced failure. And so what is your morning routine to set you up for success for a day? You know, I do not push the snooze button ever. So I get up when my alarm is set. I get on with uh, what I, my main routine is I, you know, I, I get ready for the day. I, I make a breakfast for my wife and I, and then I do a little uh, reflection of what needs to be done for the day. And it allows me to get clear of the, the most important things that need to be done for the day. And then as I get going during the day, of course, other things come up. But I have started with the things that I know that I need to get done. And one of the other things is I find that if you start with the hardest thing first, you'll get it completed and then it, it's all downhill from there. And such a such a great reminder. That's one of the things that I advocate for is really doing the the hard thing or the thing that will procure the the result three years from now um so having that longevity mindset rather than those necessarily just those short-term wins of like it's an initial hard or quote-unquote urgent thing yes so what is your nighttime routine to set you up for success in the morning i do like to unwind a little bit you know and some people i've heard say oh you you shouldn't be watching tv you should be you know reading a good book I read a lot of books and I read both business and I read you know, fiction as well, because I know that fiction books will also enable me to be more creative. But when I am about to go to bed, I usually watch a program, uh, depending on how sleepy I am, well, you know, whether it be a, a series or a movie with my wife and we spend time together. And then as we're getting ready for bed, it's all about talking about what happened for the day? I mean, during dinner time, we talk about what happened during the day, but what could we have done better? What was some of the cool things that we did that uh, we hadn't talked about already? And then it's, it's all about getting your head in the, the game of it's time to let everything go and get to sleep. I love that routine. I love that you have nightly reflection with your wife. That's, that's beautiful. What do you consider to be your kingdom? Oh, my kingdom. Wow. Yes. I am very, very good at working with uh, social media. And 
I, I get a lot of people who come to me and say, Boyd, teach me more. And so that's kind of my kingdom. I know what I'm doing with social media. Many years ago, I used to do everything, you know, websites, trying to do SEO, doing all these different advertising things. And I finally decided I can be better at one, best at one thing or a master of none. So it's like the, the house that Jack built. Jack was a jack of all trades, but a master of none. Well, I decided it, what I shouldn't be the jack of all trades. I needed to be a master of one. And so social media is what I've decided to go after. And that's my kingdom that I live in. Amazing, Boyd. I have loved our conversation. Thank you so much, Boyd. You have dropped some major knowledge bombs as well as shifted, hopefully, as some belief systems around how to use social media as a tool, as your ally, and as a, a massive weapon for your success. As always, my fellow sovereigns, own your throne, mind your business, because your reign is now. Thank you so much for tuning in today. If what you heard resonated with you, be sure to subscribe and start creating a bigger impact now by sharing this with a friend. Just by doing that one simple act of kindness, you are creating a royal ripple to support more people in their sovereignty. And if you're not already following on social media, connect with me everywhere at crownyourself.now for more inspiration. I am so excited to connect with you in the next episode. And in the meantime, go out there and create a body, business, and life that rules. Because today, you crown yourself.